This is the Unnamed Financial Podcast, a crash course in financial literacy. If you feel left out of the markets, join me, Matt Gregory, and stock market expert Peter Raschuti from Tulane University as we navigate the basics of Wall Street. And of course, it was invented by Mr. Dow and Mr. Jones, like like you would think. And it's an awful index. It's the most terrible of all the indexes, but we keep using it and it has just these huge problems. On this week's episode, what are indexes? And this week in the market, a lesson in how one politician's words can bring the markets up and then another can bring them right back down the same week. And let's get into it. Joining us again, as always, from New Orleans, Peter Raschuti, our stock market expert. Peter, how are things looking down there? Things are looking good here, but, you know, both of our teams got rained out uh, yesterday for opening day. So uh, hopefully that isn't some omen for uh, the rest of the rest of the year. If there was a sign that both of our teams were destined for the basement dwelling of AL East, that might be it. That might might be it. They uh, The Red Sox were pretty horrible last year, and I remember... The, the Boston Globe writing that it had still had pretty good TV viewership and they felt that people found it um, uh, just just intriguing and their badliness. So it's something. <laughs> There's something oh, excellent about watching a bad baseball team. It only lasts for about a month for me or two months and then I'm kind of checking in and out. But other than that, <laughs> there's couple more important or more interesting things that right, I think about the we'll, stock market. Yeah. yeah, we'll be able to get into. So as the, the season progresses and both teams start to regress to the mean, <laughs> we'll be more intrigued by what's happening uh, in the markets. And when we talk about the markets all the time, everyone always says, oh, the markets are up. I like that. Oh, the markets are down. I don't like that. But when we're talking about actually measuring the markets, whether it's stocks, bonds, funds, how do we measure them? I guess the question that we really want to ask is what are indexes? Ah, that's a, that's a great question. Indexes of anything, a general index is some sort of indicator of a, a direction and such. So in the stock market, we have a couple of different indices that you hear all the time. You hear, for instance, the first thing you hear about is the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which mm-hmm. is uh, the oldest. It's the granddaddy of indexes. I think it was when they invented the index. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was 1896. I remember you at the party. That was a tremendous day. And, uh, and of course, it was invented by Mr. Dow and Mr. Jones, like you, like you would think. And it's an awful index. It's the most terrible of all the indexes, but we keep using it. And it has just these huge problems. The first is that there's about 10,000 actively traded stocks in the market. And it measures the price and movement of 30 of them. And you know, you really don't need a PhD in statistics to realize this is a pretty crummy sample size. So yeah. um, that's its first issue. Uh, the other issue is that it's price weighted, which means that the higher the stock price, the, the more input, the more weight it has on the index, which is just plain kooky. That doesn't really make any sense at all. And, uh, and we've been using it uh, forever. I will tell you that professionals never use it. Really? Uh, in fact, that's one of the things at a party. I think this would help our listeners right now. If you say, look at the Dow, all of a sudden you're, you're ostracized. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's doesn't, it's, nobody uses that. So let's go to the ones they do use and the, the most effective one. The first is the, uh, and by the way, uh, in terms of that Dow Jones average, the stocks that are in it, are considered to be uh, the blue chip stocks. That's, okay. that's what's kind of in there. And, and if you ever wonder if the stock market has anything to do with gambling, it's just a casino term. You know, the blue chip in the casino is the most mm-hmm. expensive, and the red chip is the uh, 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 least valuable. 
So we, we do have that going. But in the S&P 500, the Standard & Poor's 500, that was meant as a, as a fix to the Dow Jones Industrial Average because, uh, first of all, they're looking at, and I know this is a big shock to people, 500 stocks. And, uh, and so, the, uh, so it seems like, oh, I don't know, 16 times better than the other one. Uh, and it is. It really um, it did a great job. It's a market cap-weighted index. In fact, all the ones we'll talk about uh, today are market cap-weighted. And what it means is you take the number of shares outstanding in a company and the stock price, and that gets you this, your market capitalization. So that's the way they determine what's big and what's small. Like if you went down the street, mm -hmm. you would find, if you ask people um, what makes a big company, they would say, oh, it has a lot of employees or a lot of profit or maybe a, maybe a, a number of stores. But that's not what Wall Street cares about at all. They care about this market capitalization. That's how big it is. And so the S&P is uh, weighted according to market capitalization. And that makes sense. The bigger the company, the the more, uh, the more we should look at it. Mm -hmm. But in the last five years, this wonderful index has fallen apart in some way because these large tech stocks have grown so much and the prices have gone up so high that they are overweighting the index. If you take the big six, which is basically a Microsoft, Facebook, Apple, uh, Netflix, Google, and now Tesla, those should make up eh, a little over 1% of the index. But because mm -hmm. it's market cap weighted, it controls 25% of the index. So the, um, the movement of those six stocks completely uh, dominates the, the poor other 494 stocks that are in that index. So it is looking like more of a technology index than a broad look at the economy. Yeah. So with, with that, you know, <laughs> what we're seeing when we see the S&P 500 go up and down is, yes, there's periphery other 492 stocks, but what you're really seeing is how well did Tesla do today? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and so, and so it, you know, they certainly they didn't mean for this to happen, but it, it certainly, uh, it certainly has occurred. Now, there's another um, index that is uh, very important. That's the Nasdaq Composite. And the Nasdaq okay. Composite looks at every single stock that trades on the Nasdaq. There's basically two indexes, Matt. There's a there's uh, two uh, places to trade. You've got the uh, New York Stock Exchange, which ate up the American Stock Exchange uh, several years ago, and the NASDAQ. And it is funny, though, when I take my students to New York City, mm -hmm. because the sexy stocks are on the NASDAQ, they're always like, take us to the NASDAQ. And I'm always saying, listen, I got us a way to get on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And they're like, roo, roo, roo. And, um, <laughs> and they, but the New York Stock Exchange is an exchange, and this guy's running around with pieces of paper. That's what you want to see. We take them to the NASDAQ. It's a, it's a beige box. You know, mm -hmm. it's just all done by computer. It's like, this is fascinating, you know, and um, so, so that's the way these exchanges have worked. That was one and of the things that I remember hearing about was that you, you would have, you know, where people used to be. It used to be you would go to the, the, the floor of the stock exchange. You wanted to be close to it. You wanted your offices near downtown. But now what you want is your server box to be close to the NASDAQ, which it is not is. that it exciting. Is. It is true. And I remember talking to some guys on the floor because uh, with my students, we follow these obscure small cap companies in the South. We call mm -hmm. them stocks under rocks. And so I went to the trading post of, uh, of one of these companies that we follow, and it was um, Mid-South Bank, um, and it was um, over in uh, New Iberia, Louisiana. And so I said to them, uh, no, it was Tesh Bank, Tesh Bank, and, and, um, which is in New Iberia, Louisiana. And he goes, yeah, it's one of the 
50 stocks I trade. He goes, uh, what do they do? And I said, they're a bank. And he says, uh, he goes, where? And I said, New Iberia, Louisiana. I said, it's where they make Tabasco. And the guy's like the New York accent. He yells out across the floor, hey, these guys are where they make the hot sauce. So it is something. <laughs> so a lot of, lot of knowledge on the floor about these yeah. little, little companies. And, um, but that NASDAQ composite looks at 2,500 stocks or so. That's, that's almost every stock. It is every stock in the, um, in the NASDAQ. Now, this one is totally technology. Half the stocks are tech stocks. Um, the oh, a much higher number, maybe 80, 90% of the market value were tech stocks. So if you were a tech investor, that would be the first thing you'd look at is the NASDAQ composite. Um, another one underneath that is the um, Russell 2000. And that's mm -hmm. what we use because we're looking at these smaller stocks. The Russell 2000 is kind of amazing. What they do is they take the largest 3,000 companies by market cap, largest 3,000 companies, and they lop off the largest 1,000. So it's the 2,000 underneath that. So the largest thousand companies aren't in the index. And so it's, if you looked at it by size, it's numbers 1,001 to 3,000. Yeah. And that's an entirely different index. Um, the most amazing thing that's happened really since the election, but I don't know if it's tied to the election, is for years and years and years, these uh, large cap tech stocks that are uh, in the NASDAQ composite, they're in the S&P 500 have just blown away everybody else. You almost wondered why the hell you were playing if you didn't own those those stocks. Mm -hmm. And what's happened since the election is these Russell 2000 has doubled the performance of the NASDAQ and the S&P. It's like they kind of woke up. And yeah. um, so now people care about the Russell 2000. And, and there's another thing, uh, Matt, and this is just to placate people like me, they created a new index and it's the S&P 500 equal weighting index or the symbol there is SPXEW. And what they've done there, is instead of, it's the S&P 500 companies, but every, the movement of every company is equal. You don't, uh, a big company doesn't skew the uh, index. And so, you know, they're, they're trying, to, trying to address this, but um, it, it's a funny, the whole index thing is pretty, uh, is pretty funny. I, I guess we should not lead the news with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's, uh, That's the, the, the heads and tails of it. I, I was thinking um, the S&P, you know, the, the revised S&P that you discussed reminds me of when, um, there used to be a system that we, we measured how quarterbacks in the NFL did, the quarterback rating. And at some point in like 2010, 2012, ESPN came out and was like, well, we don't think this is an accurate thing because a guy will throw, you know, five passes and each one's a touchdown and he gets a perfect rating. So they started including all these other things like getting sacked, uh, you know, incompletions in a different way, you know, passes that were not long enough and like the length of the pass went into it. And the idea was to give a better perspective of how the quarterbacks were doing. But in the long run, a lot of us just kept looking at the original QBR, which is kind of like the layman just keep looking at the S&P. Right, I, I think you're right. Uh, that is absolutely true. They, in fact, you know, I think we're all getting a little better at math because uh, sports has become so uh, statistically significant. You watch, you watch the baseball game and, you know, and now I have no idea what it's doing. Used yeah. to be, uh, you know, this guy's strong. Look at the forearms on him. Now yep. nobody cares about that anymore. It's like, I had to see. so <laughs> with a count of two and two and a slider, he's got a thirty-two percent chance of getting. It's uh, it's but amazing. I, is, I do think it's improving our math. Just like I think this crazy stock market is bringing a lot of people a lot of interest in investments. So I think there's a positive there. We uh, Matt, you and I always talk about uh, that's positive, but the negative is that people really think it's now a game. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Everything from GameStop to uh, to uh, 
you know, Bitcoin and everything like that. Nobody's really knows how a stock is supposed to be valued. And, and uh, we've forgotten. I was going to ask you that since you're looking at, you know, the Russell, which is, you know, has doubled since, uh, or at least the, the value has. Um, and we keep talking about, you know, it's since the Biden administration took office. What is it about what's happening politically that you think uh, is leading to, I would say, optimism in the Russell and the small cap indexes? I think what it is, Matt, is that there's, you know, for 40 years we've had supply-side economics, really began with President mm -hmm. Reagan, and, uh, and the idea that the big guy, if you gave him enough breaks, the, the benefits would trickle down to the little guy. I think it's still with, with companies it's like that. Uh, um, I, President Biden's trying to change that, and I think he's really kind of focusing more on the small, doing things that would benefit the smaller companies more than the uh, larger companies, and I think people are starting to see it. Uh, the other thing, of course, is those they're so much cheaper than those big those big tech stocks and those, you know, trees don't grow to the sky, um, mainly because they can't get their food system up that high in the trunk. But that is another complete topic. But it was supposed to be just a cliche. And uh, <laughs> I'd now like to talk about azaleas. And thank uh, you. But, <laughs> but it is true. And um, um, so you get to a certain point, like, you know, one of the things we talk about in class with the uh, students is, you know, they all want to own Tesla or Google. And I show them the other, uh, remember last year, I said, you know what I would rather own is Monroe Muffler. And they're like, oh my God, you know, he's lost it. They got to take him out of class, you know? <laughs> and, um, and of course it's significantly outperformed the index because you, you really, it isn't, I said, well, Tesla's a much greater company than Monroe, but based on today's prices, um, it's a better value. And, and so those are the kind of things that people have either forgotten or not told anybody. I, you know, I, was, I had movers in my house yesterday and all they were talking about was Bitcoin. And yeah. I'm very interested, I'm glad they're interested, but you know, nobody's talking about, you know, it has a low PE and uh, you know, shows. <laughs> yeah. Now with these indexes, right? We've been talking about the stock indexes. Um, that you can look at. Are there bond indexes or mutual fund indexes? Absolutely. It's not really a mutual fund index because they're all made up of stocks. Okay. Uh, by the way, that's fine. I was once given a speech in on, in Oregon. I'm not uh, blaming Oregon here, but I was given a speech and the guy came up to me at the end. He says, I really enjoyed your talk because uh, it didn't pertain to me personally because uh, you were talking about stocks and uh, all my money's in mutual funds, which is, you know, what's in mutual funds. There's, a, yeah, exactly. I guess he thought mutual funds are made of cheese. I don't know what was going on there. And, but there is a bond index and there's also a, an index for international stocks. Hmm. Um, there's actually, believe it or not, there's 5,000 indexes. 5, I mean, 000? that is 5,000. And it's because people can create an index um, based on anyone's needs. Like there is an index for recreational vehicles. You know, the hmm. stocks that are, yeah, all you need is a few stocks and glue them together and move the, and have it repriced every day and you, and you get it. In fact, uh, my cousin uh, works for the company that mainly does those. And um, it's just, you know, you just walk in the door and you say, you know what I would like? And it's like, step right here, sir. We'll. So my question is, because this sounds a lot like, and how apropos it's on Good Friday before, and this is my Catholic school coming out, which just hits you at the last. I minute. can't, you know, I can't even imagine this connection. So I'm, I'm fascinated. Here it comes. Now. I think it was the Council of Nicene. This is ninth grade religion class. They decided the what was the original church of the two thousand or so gospels to choose four. So 
at some point they all got got together, all these priests or whatever they originally called priests, and they were like, we can't have the Gospel of Judas. That one's not going to be okay. <laughs> no, we can't no. have the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. How about just, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? So how did we decide that Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ would be our Gospels of the Marketplace? <laughs> well, they are broader than my crazy RV index and things like yes. that. But it's, um, and I, you know, one of the big things, Matt, is that to us, it's like, oh, which one do you leave the news with and, and all of that? But it's incredibly important to a lot of people. Like, for instance, money managers. A lot of people don't know this, but money managers have to manage in a particular style. They, uh, you might be uh, looking at, uh, you say you're a small cap growth manager. Well, you have to be looking for companies with high growth and they have to have a small market capitalization. That's the box you're in. And the reason that is, is that people that are building a portfolio choose that fund to give them um, a, a play in that particular area. And so that's one thing people don't know. So if you were, um, if you were a money manager and you were a small cap growth manager, well, you would want to be compared to an index of small cap growth stocks. That would be the only way you could measure your performance accurately. Mm. And so, uh, and then people's, um, you work for a company, a big publicly traded company, um, your bonus there in terms of how well did you manage the company is a function of looking at the right index. So it's, um, it seems kind of kooky, but there's people it really counts. So, by the way, that's a funny expression that people don't get is, is mutual funds generally have to fit in some sort of box of management, but the ones that don't are hedge funds. And someday mm -hmm. we'll talk all about hedge funds, but yes. um, they are, they sound more conservative, kind of like a hedge. And what it means is that it's a hedge against the market in general. They might be going a different way and such, but um, that they are wide open. Uh, a, a mutual fund has to be managed in what they call the, the way a prudent person would. And hedge funds is just Katie bar the door. You know, you can put it all in one stock, borrow money, you know, it's something shorted. You can do whatever you want. And, and it's in the, when you sign up to have your money invested in the hedge fund, it's written at the bottom, uh, again, probably in Latin, very small font, but it's, uh, you know, uh, two things. One is you, the client, must be sophisticated enough to know this. And the other part is that you, the client, have enough money that when, if you lose all of this, you know, you're going to be okay. So you can tell what that's not the way a mutual. <laughs> so as we're looking at these indexes, um, you know, I guess what else is there that people should be looking for or paying attention to um, besides, you know, the six o'clock news coming on and say the Dow dropped 800 points and everyone goes, oh, I don't like that. Uh, well, first of all, now I all I can think of is the index that you've taken out the prostitute and the traitor uh, from the Catholic <laughs> Church. That is a my uh, I uh, and for you this morning, Domine Fabiscum Etum Spirit 220, which I don't know what it means, but they said at the mass all the time. So uh, <laughs> we're here with theologians, Matt Gregory and Peter Raschuti to see. How the, uh, it's, once you go to Catholic school, you can't ever get it out of your system. It comes out oh, at the weirdest no. times of the day. Someone will say something and they'll say, you know, there's only one of us here, and I, or there's only two of us here. And I'll say, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. Oh, I can't stop saying that. They, uh, and what I do is if I walk up to a bar and there's a bunch of friends, I cannot stop saying, uh, everybody goes, hey, how are you doing? I go, one of you will betray me. Is that <laughs> so Matt, you and I are a good ad for you. Keep driving things in. You can't get it out of their heads. So That's it's... Right. Um, but I think um, once you realize the kind of investor you are, then you're going to be uh, 
uh, it's going to be much clearer what index you ought to be looking at. So if you were a tech investor, first thing to look at is that NASDAQ uh, mm -hmm. composite. And then after that, maybe you could take the S&P 500 because you knew it was, uh, it was skewed to that side. But the NASDAQ really is indicative of uh, how everything went. Now, the other thing, of course, is just because the NASDAQ composite is up and it's got a bunch of tech stocks and you own a tech stock doesn't mean your stock is up or down. So it's, it's just a little bit of backdrop uh, for you uh, each night. And of course, that's calculated all during the day. It's, um, and of course, it's very handy because if you wanted to know how the market was, the first thing you would do is just like on your computers, pull up the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ composite. It'd be much more difficult to look at the six stocks you own and glue them together and divide through by pi or something. Yeah. You know, it's, um, this is, any uh, uh, other funny part, Matt, is I've been doing this for 42 years and, and I'm colorblind, which I'm not complaining about. If you're gonna have a malady, I think that's the best one. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, but the funny thing is when I would go to work, I would walk in and see all the, all the uh, computers, the Bloombergs on the floor and people would go, it, like the person I was with would go, oh my God. And I'd go, what? You know, thinking somebody died or whatever. And they would see that all the screens were red. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm red, green, colorblind. So I'd say, I don't know. You know, from, from a distance, I, I, <laughs> I'd have to look at a number. You, know? it's, uh, you never knew if it was a bad day. You're like, oh, man. No, no. That's why I was a perennial optimist. You know, it's, <laughs> um, and, uh, and being colorblind was, was a pretty good thing to do because like when you're little, when they first give you those tests when you're in the fourth grade, first of all, you were a folk hero in your class. You know, it was like, and it was a good way to meet girls. They would all come up to you and go, what color is my dress? You know, and you go, well, and you make something up, magenta, you know, and, uh, and you'd be kind of, a <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So when, I guess if you're a, if you're a person looking at your own stocks and uh, you want to, you're interested, let's say, in buying a stock, um, would you take that stock and look at its performance over five years and compare that to the S&P that it's in? Or would you compare it to the Russell? Like how, is that a way that a, a kind of a consumer could do it? That, that's exactly what you Once you figure out what category you're in, that's what you ought to be comparing. In fact, they're pretty easy to create now on, on a laptop is to show the performance over one, three, five years against the index. So you have two lines that you can look at. Uh, the only problem there, and that, that's great to, to say that, but there is, a, <laughs> there is a bias where the stocks that have done most poorly uh, tend to do well in the future. It's uh, it's um, kind of throws a lot of this off, and uh, there's yes. some, and that you know that comes back to you know, and I think this show has been dedicated to theology. So it's you know the the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Matt, I think this show's getting better and better. I can't even believe what will be the theme next week. It'll I probably know. be a financial thing, but you know some backdrop like this. I wanted to ask you while we had just a little more time, um, what did you see? Because I was looking at the markets today, just kind of going through, looking at the indexes, which we just talked about. And it looked like this week there was like a drop and then it's been rebounding S&P, Dow. What were you seeing? What was making that happen? The thing that was grabbing me, and this is a, a great, a great way to look at the markets, how it can help you in the rest of life, is take a sector. Like this week, the big thing was infrastructure. And so if you were a company that was remotely indicated, remotely would do well if this bill goes through, uh, the, the Biden bill, um, mm -hmm. those stocks went up like crazy. And then yesterday, uh, McConnell came out and said, I, I won't 
support the infrastructure bill or anything on the democratic agenda or anything that begins with D. I don't know what it was. It was right together. <laughs> so those stocks all fell back down again yesterday. And so if I were like, for instance, if I was looking out and saying, you know, what are the odds of that bill going through? And this, you could do this for a million things. I would watch the stocks. I would watch the stocks because, you know, talking heads, politicians, they're going to just say what you want to say or, or some sort of motivation. But look at where people are placing their bets. Where are they betting their money? And that tells you a much better uh, look at what's ahead. Uh, it's, you know, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's the other to open your wallet and make make bets on these. So the last few days before before that announcement yesterday by, by Senator McConnell, you, uh, you had these stocks of people that made steel because you'd need these I-beams to build, uh, build bridges. You had companies that uh, did roads. It was one company I always look at, uh, Vulcan Materials in Alabama. And what they do is um, they have the, the largest owner of rocks. I mean, they're basically like the Flintstones. And um, it's uh, chairman of the board, Fred Flintstone spoke today. And uh, they, yeah, the CFO uh, is Barney Rubble. <laughs> yeah, so, not that a great show, Mr. <laughs> Slately? That was so great. They, uh, but yeah, that's what, um, that's that. And so that's an interesting stock. They basically, by the way, it's not rocks, it's aggregate. If you ever get into a cocktail party with somebody in the rock business. So I, you're in rock. Yeah, I'm in, I'm actually in rock. That's the oddest thing, but that's what you need to build roads is that, yeah. that aggregate. So it is amazing how everybody knows this stuff. And Matt, one thing I think about all the time is if it weren't for stocks, I don't know how we would participate in the growth of an industry or, mm -hmm. or the market. Like for instance, um, let's let's say you thought, okay, the infrastructure bill is going through, steel is gonna be used a lot more. They're gonna produce a lot more steel. The prices are gonna go up. You say, I wanna participate in that. Well, without stocks, we would have to, you and I, and I think you know this would clearly, we could do this. You and I would go to the bank, borrow a couple of billion dollars and open our own steel mill. See, that mm -hmm. would be very cumbersome. But we could just we can just hit our laptop and buy you know shares of uh, Nucor or U.S. Steel in, in a couple of seconds, and yeah. be and most importantly have liquidity to get out if it if for some reason Matt and Peter got this wrong. Yeah, it's a way to I, like you said allow you to participate in whatever the phenomenon the zeitgeist of the time financially is. I was wondering, um, you know, with what you saw this week, and we we saw it a lot in 2020 with how things were going with the CARES Act, things like that. Is this in recent memory, probably because of the pandemic? This is a lot of preamble for a question. Is this uh, um, sort of where we're finally seeing a very strong cross section of how politics interacts with the marketplace? Oh, absolutely. They, um, in fact, you not only have the politics regarding individual issues like infrastructure, but the politics of um, vaccinations, mm -hmm. uh, which shouldn't be politicized at all. That is really what they say on the street. It would be cray cray is what that is. That is really ridiculous. And, uh, but they found a way to politicize everything. Uh, but that's right. You can, you can look at um, uh, how things are going. There's no, I, sometimes I don't watch the news. I just watch the market. And it's, mm. it's going to tell you everything you, uh, you ever wanted, wanted to know. I remember, this is a, kind of a sad story, Matt, but I'll, I'll tell it to you, is when the, um, when the space shuttle, the Challenger exploded, uh, one of the things that immediately I looked at, and this sounds like I'm a terrible person, but this is the way to, I try to figure out within those couple of minutes, you know, what went wrong, what piece of equipment w went wrong. And so they were, you know, first they thought it was, I can't remember who all the players were, but 
the stock of one company went down and the other. And then within a day, they kind of knew what had gone wrong and that stock fell a lot and the others rebounded. So it's, it's just funny how investors think that way. Of course, I, I'm as bad as anyone, Matt. I drive down the highway and I see a stock of a, I see a truck of a stock I own. I honk the horn and wave at them. They, these stocks, they become your little friends, which is, which is pathetic, really. No, I, uh, when I used to own UPS stock, um, I went over to a UPS guy one day and I said, hey, you're doing a good job. I'm one of the owners. <laughs> My friends were like, what is wrong with you? I was like, so many things, but this one at this moment felt like it was going to percolate to the top. You know, at the, the dinner table that night, it's Marge. I, I met a crazy person today. You know, it's. <laughs> Said he owned UPS. Very odd. (laughs) Well, I think that's a pretty good wrap-up of the week in the market. Now, I got a a couple of questions um, from two people that had listened to previous podcasts, and they said, I liked hearing about stocks. Oh, I like this and that. But they both – one of them was confused by Roth IRAs. They thought the Roth IRA was a fund you could invest in, and another person wanted to know how they could – what they – you know, how they could – use a Roth IRA in general. So I thought maybe next week, if you wanted to, we could talk IRAs, both Roth and regular, kind of to cover That'd the whole thing. This isn't Philip Roth, the author. This is, <laughs> this is, uh, this is going to make me do a little work between now and next week. That is uh, terrific. I'm so glad people are writing in because that's, that's how everyone learns. So I'm, I'm glad the, uh, glad the listeners are asking. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I said, well, once again, anybody has any questions, anything they want, you know, outside of, you know, what stock should I invest in? Because I'm not interested in getting into that. But like something in the market that you're afraid to say out loud that you don't know about, let us know. We'll check it out. Peter, thanks for the show. It was a good time. Glad we got to talk some uh, Christianity on Good Friday. <laughs> Who knows what t- next week's topic will be. That is- <laughs> <laughs> it could be Taoism. We may even venture into uh, Zoroastrianism. I don't know. It's a spiritual world when you meld numbers with the marketplace. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Peter. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening at home, too.